0: Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. You got a Bible? I told you at the beginning of the service, we're in Genesis chapter one, 21. We're going to wrap up Genesis 21 today. If you have a paper Bible, you can flip open there. But we made it super easy. If you got the app, just tap the button right there. All of the scripture, all of the notes right there in one page for you. I want to do a little review. Because we've been studying through the book of Genesis, we started at Genesis chapter 1, we're in 21 today. Let's go back and just review some of what we've heard from the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. He does it all in six literal days. And after each day of creation, God looks over everything that he's made and he says what? It is good. In Genesis chapter 2, God creates Adam and Eve. We get kind of the, uh, you know, expanded version of God creating Adam and Eve on the sixth day. And when he creates human beings, he declares that what? It is very good. Look, the mountains, the trees, the oceans, they're good. But these people that I've made are the centerpiece of my creation. They're very good. I tell you what, I'm going to give them a little bit of my authority I'm creating them in my image, and I'm going to allow them to rule with me on earth. Let's see how that went. Genesis chapter 3. They are tempted and immediately commit the one sin that God told them not to do. Everything else in the garden is paradise. It's perfect. It's peaceful. It's free reign. Just don't do this one thing. And that's what they do in Genesis chapter 3. And from that moment on, all of humanity, in fact, all of creation, even the earth itself, is now a mess. God gave some beautiful, some perfect gifts, when he created the heavens and the earth, when he created people pure and perfect and in his likeness. And then we turned around and we ruined what God created. And I want to point out something before we get into the Bible today, that almost all of us in this room struggle with anxiety and depression and, and Uh, issues every day of our lives. Can I remind you of something? God didn't create those things that you wrestle with every day. God didn't create back in those first six days, hurry. God didn't create worry to make you wonder how things are going to turn out. God didn't create sorry, where we would look back over a mistake that we've made and say, darn, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And now the future is going to be difficult, all of those things that you see on the screen, they're our fault. The paradise that God created, the peace and the perfection that he made back in those first three days, it was all ruined. And now every one of us on the planet struggle with worry and hurry and sorry, and about a dozen other issues that don't end in RRY. These are the only three words that I could come up with for us today. And do you want to know where these problems come from? They actually come from one source. They're not many problems. They're actually just one problem, and it's ultimately a problem inside us. It's not a problem with the earth. It's not a problem with relationships. It doesn't have anything to do with your boss or your professor. All of this comes from inside of us. And even a child could realize that worry and hurry and sorry and all of those other anxieties that we deal with, all of those problems are because we lost something beautiful, something precious that God gave us way back in Genesis 1 and 2. We lost this perfect relationship with him. We lost peace with our creator. And ever since then, we've been struggling. And maybe you're wrestling around with some of these things. Well, today, we learn how Abraham faces some of these challenges. Now, if we can be honest for just a second and review a little bit of Abraham's life, he's made some mistakes in his life. Abraham received a promise from God that God would give him a baby, but God wasn't moving fast enough. Abraham wanted God to hurry up, and so Abraham took matters into his own hands, slept with his servant girl, and had a baby named Ishmael. Abraham worried about what would happen to my son, Ishmael, and then after he had a baby by his wife, Sarah, Isaac, now these two children are dysfunctional, and Abraham, just last week, has to deal with the sorrow of knowing I made a huge mistake, and now for the rest of my life, my heart is broken because I have to send Ishmael, my son by the servant girl, away so that my other son, Isaac, can grow up in peace. Abraham has personally went through this in the last few chapters in Genesis, and today he's going to face it all over again. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 21 in just a second. We're going to start with verse 22. And the first thing that we're going to see is how Abraham relies on God instead of worrying. How Abraham learns to trust God and you and I should trust God for our protection. You should put your hope and your protection in King Jesus and him alone. I'm going to say something that might offend a few of you in this room, but it's absolutely 100% true. I need to be reminded of this. Maybe you do too. Worry is a form of disbelief. You cannot trust that God is good, that God really cares, and that God really will protect you. You cannot trust that and worry at the same time. Virtually all worry says, I'm not sure that God really cares. I'm not sure that God really can protect me. What happens if and worry And trust cannot exist in the same at the same place in the same time because worry itself is a form of disbelief I want to ask you what would you do if you're Abraham and you get a knock on the door knock 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 and this is what happens next Genesis 21 starting in verse 22 at that time Abimelech King Abimelech, the ruler of the land that Abraham is living in, at that time, King Abimelech, accompanied by Phicol, his commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything that you do. Swear to me by God here and now that you will not break an agreement with me and with my children and descendants. As I have been loyal to you, so you will be loyal to me and to the country where you are a resident alien. And Abraham said, I swear it. Now, you can't really miss what's going on here, especially in the conversation between Abimelech and Abraham. I want to remind you just a couple of chapters ago. Abraham moved into Abimelech's land. Abimelech is king. He's got a very powerful army. He even takes the commander of his army to Abraham's door. And Abraham was scared that something would happen to him personally. So he threw his wife under the bus and said, Hey, Sarah, you're a beautiful woman. They're going to kill me to get to you. Why don't you just lie to King Abimelech and tell King Abimelech that you're not my wife, that you're my sister? And Sarah lies. Sure enough, Abimelech takes Sarah into his harem and God punishes Abimelech for what he's just done. Abimelech says, I didn't touch this woman. I did what was right in your eyes, God. And my hands were clean and my conscience was pure here. And God says, I know I prevented you from touching her or else I'd have to wipe you and your family off the face of the earth. This same king comes knocking at your door. Let me ask you, what do you do when you open the door and all of a sudden it's your boss and the number two guy and they want to talk to you about the company car that you crashed last night? How is this going to feel when you are a foreigner in a foreign land? And not only does the king show up, who you've done wrong just a few chapters ago, but he brings the commander of his army with him. What are you going to think when, the, when you open the tent flaps and these two guys are standing in front of you? Most of us would pee our pants just a little bit at this point. And King Abimelech is reminding Abraham of what you've done to me. Abraham you literally, the language of the Bible here is, you acted unfaithfully to me. You broke faith with me in the past. Now you look me in the eyes and you swear to God that you won't do to me in the future. Do to my children or my grandchildren what you've done to me in the past. He uses the Old Testament word, you broke faith with me in the past. You lied to me in the past. Now you prove to God and to me that you will be loyal to me. You will be faithful to me and my children in the future. Because here's the deal, Abraham you've got a son, I've got a son you're an old man, I'm an old man, I need to know right here and right now that my children can trust your children because of what you've done to me in the past. And I also think that Abimelech is worried right now because Abraham, you're very rich, you're very powerful, you've got a very strong army of servants around you. And if you start to take up swords and oppose me and my people, I'm not sure that we can win a war against you. So Abraham, I need you to swear in a solemn oath to me right now, not just for my sake, but for my future children's sake, that you will not do to me in the future what you did to me in the past. Because Abraham you're powerful enough that if we were to go to war together, I'm not sure how things are going to turn out. Abimelech is worried and you got to wonder at this point, when Abraham sees Abimelech, the king of the land and the commander of his army, like why did you bring the commander of your army with you? How worried Abraham is about what's going to happen next. There was a kid who was bullied in school, everybody was bullied in school by this big kid, bigger than everybody else out there. And because he was bigger, he could get away with whatever he wanted. And he was just kind of making his rounds around the classroom. So everybody knew when we go out to the playground, everybody knew who's next, who's going to get bullied, who's going to get picked on. And the little scrawny kid in school knew that he's next. So he went home and he told his mom and dad, I'm scared. I don't want to go back to school tomorrow because I know he's going to pick on me. I know he's going to beat me up. And mom and dad said, do you really believe that God loves you? Would you really trust your future and trust your protection in God's hands? They basically said, listen, we want you to pray about it and we want you to stand up to this bully. But you are going to go back to school tomorrow. And sure enough, tomorrow, his turn came. They went out to the playground. Everybody in the classroom knew what was going to happen next. And the little skinny kid did something weird. He drew a line in the sand, and he dared the big kid, I dare you to step across the line and see what happens next. And sure enough, that big kid just took one step across the line, and then the little skinny said, said, Skinny kid said see now you're on my side. We're friends. We got nothing to fight about. Let's go back to class together And Abimelech is saying I'm scared about how powerful you're becoming Abraham and Abraham you've already broken faith with me once in the past I'm afraid of what your descendants are going to do to my descendants and Abraham it's pretty obvious That God is on your side and I am not powerful enough to stand up against you if God is on your side. So Abraham, I'm on your side too. Will you swear an oath so that I don't have to worry, so that my children don't have to worry about what happens in the future? Some of you are super stressed out right now about your finances or you're really worried about what's going to happen to the job, you're very concerned about whether or not you're going to make it through the next phase of training, and all of that worry will eat you up on the inside, can I remind you, nothing good happens because of worry. Worry cannot, according to Jesus, add one day to your life. And worry is itself a form of breaking trust with God. So ultimately, if you're really going to trust God for your protection, you've got nothing to worry about tomorrow. If you're really going to trust Jesus to take care of your family, take care of your finances, like Abimelech is trying to do, like Abraham is doing in Genesis chapter 21, then you have to trust Jesus for your prosperity, that he's going to help you no matter what happens to the job. He's going to help you pay your bills. And if you're going to go into a business relationship with somebody, you got to make sure that you can trust them. Would you agree? Abraham and Abimelech are about to go into a business relationship with each other. And if you're going to have trust in a business partnership, you're gonna to have to be able to have some hard conversations. So that's what Abraham is gonna do next. Verse 25. But Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well that Abimelech's servants had seized. Can I pause for a second? That word complain that's on the screens right there, that's more than just criticizing, you did me wrong. This is actually the Old Testament word for you're bringing legal charges against somebody. Okay, Abimelech, you want us to have a good relationship? You want us to have some kind of business partnership? Well, I got beef with you about something that's happened to me in the past. I got a problem with you because your servants seized my well. That word seized means that they violently came at force and took away my well from me. Let's see how Abimelech responds. Abimelech replied, I don't know who did this thing, and let's give the guy credit. Probably he doesn't know anything about it. I don't know who did this thing. You didn't report anything to me, so I hadn't heard about it until today. And Abraham took flocks and herds, and he gave them to Abimelech. And then the two of them made a covenant. We'll talk about this word in just a second because it showed up now several times in the Bible about Abraham. They made a covenant and Abraham separated seven ewe lambs from the flock. Abimelech said to Abraham, why have you separated these seven ewe lambs? And he replied, you are to accept these seven ewe lambs from me so that this act will serve as my witness that I dug this well and therefore that place is called Beersheba because it is there that the two of them swore an oath. The name Beersheba means the well of seven or the well of an oath and Abraham has a complaint here. Now this is a big deal A well in the middle of the desert, if you are a foreigner, if you are a Bedouin, if you are a herdsman, your entire livelihood is built on that well. You need to make sure that you water your animals. If that well, if you don't have water in the desert, your animals die. Abraham has a huge company at this point. Lots of people who work for him and their families who depend on Abraham. If you don't have water in the desert, those families die. If Abraham doesn't have water in the desert, I die. My children die. I dug a well and then Abimelech, your army came and took my well away from me. And this is not just about money now. This is life or death, Abimelech. We have a problem And we got to fix this problem about the well. Abimelech says, I don't know anything about it. Can we just give Abraham some credit here? We have no idea how long ago it happened that Abraham lost this well. Maybe it was just days ago. Maybe it was weeks ago. Maybe it was months or years ago. But for whatever reason, Abraham hasn't gone to complain to Abimelech. Maybe because at this point, I don't have the kind of relationship that I can go to Abimelech. I burned that guy in the past about my wife, Sarah. If I show up and complain about this well, file a lawsuit against this well, he might just kill me right there in my tracks. So Abraham patiently waited. I think we're starting to see now that this guy learned a few lessons from his past and from his mistakes. Right, God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a child, your wife, Sarah, even though she's an old woman and you're an old man, you two together are going to have a baby and it doesn't happen. And years go by and it doesn't happen. So Abraham decides, I got to take matters into my own hands. And he has a child out of wedlock, an illegitimate son named Ishmael. And maybe Abraham learned to wait on the Lord's timing here. Because I kind of want to ask you, your neighbor erects a fence on your property. How long do you wait before this starts to get really ugly between you and your neighbor? Hey, I'll raise the stakes a little bit. Let's say that you loan your car to a coworker because they need to help move some things. And instead of bringing your car back, they hang on to it and they refuse to give it to you back. How long before you and your coworker are in George, Judge Judy's courtroom? Because Abraham waits, patiently waits. Look, this is life or death for him, his animals, his business. And instead of taking matters into his own hands, he patiently waits. And now that Abimelech is at his front door, now that we're about to enter into a peaceful agreement with one another, I got beef with you about this well. We got to figure this well thing out. And Abimelech says, I don't know what happened here. I had nothing to do with that. And I want to believe that Abimelech is being honest. Like, I never heard about this. I didn't order this. I don't know what happened here. Abraham says, I'll prove it to you. I will make a huge financial commitment that that is my well. And if I don't get that well back, my animals die, my business dies, my family dies if I don't get that well back. So Abraham offers him this um, in, in incredible uh, financial incentive to i 'll prove to you this is my well. Nobody in their right mind would lose this kind of money if that wasn't really their property and their well. Abraham is doing this because my children are not going to have peace with his children if we don't nail this well thing down right away. It didn't even work between me and my nephew Lot over a well. How are we going to be able to work this out between me and a pagan king in a foreign land? You know what Abraham is really working for right now? He's working for the future of his family and for their peace. Listen, can we just get real for a second? If you live in Ukraine tonight, if you live in Gaza tonight, there is nothing else on planet earth that you want. There is nothing more important to you than real genuine peace. I'm not talking about some false ceasefire where you're able to exchange prisoners and able to pass the wounded back and forth over front lines. I'm talking about the kind of peace that lasts for 30, 50, 80 years. You see, peace is not just when they stop firing the bullets when there's no more temporary bloodshed. Peace is when two parties have finally settled the issue. And if you don't finally settle the issue, then my children, 20 years from now, we're gonna have to fight this battle in Ukraine or Gaza. Uh, Fifty years from now, my grandchildren; eighty years from now, my great-grandchildren will be fighting the exact same fight that we're in right now. And that's where Abraham and Abimelech are. They even use this language because of our children, our pro- our posterity. We have to nail this thing down. We have to settle this well right now. And Abraham is nailing down this business relationship. We can't have a business relationship without trust. You can't have a marriage without trust. You can't have a relationship between two governments without trust. And ultimately, trust is much bigger, much more than not firing bullets at one another. Ultimately, it's when God settles in the heart of a husband and wife, of two business owners, of two governments, the peace that he originally intended for all people to have. Abraham is learning how to trust God, and by learning how to trust God, he is letting go of some of the worry that he's had to deal with. He's letting go of some of the hurry of rushing to take this king to court over this well. Abraham ultimately has to learn to trust Jesus to make things right between my son and this guy's son. Because Abraham has made some mistakes in his past with King Abimelech. And I think Abraham is sorry for it. So here's how Genesis 21 ends. After they had made this covenant, and by the way, the word covenant means we have a legal agreement in blood now. If I break my end of the legal bargain, you can kill me for breaking my side of this legal agreement. They made a covenant at Beersheba. And Beersheba must be pretty important because that word is going to show up again and again in these next few verses. Abimelech and the, king of it, or the commander of his army, Phicol, the commander of his army left and returned to the land of the Philistines, the land that Abraham is living in. And look at what Abraham does. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. And there he called on the name of the Lord. He called out the Lord's name, El Elyon. He also called out the everlasting God, El Olam. And God was there with Abraham to protect Abraham, to provide for Abraham. And here's how the story ends. Ultimately, this chapter is asking us, does Abraham get a chance to live at peace with Uh, in this foreign land. And the Bible answers that question for you. Abraham lived as an alien in the land of the Philistines in King Abimelech's land for many days. See, God has given Abraham a gift. And God promised Abraham a long time ago, anybody who blesses you, I'm going to take care of them. Anybody who curses you, I'm going to take them out. Abraham, you don't have to worry. You don't have to hurry. I'm going to take care of you. You just have to trust me and I'll give you peace. But if you lie about your wife and take matters into your own hands, you make a big mess of things. And now you're going to be sorry about that for a long time. I think what happens here after they sign the agreement, they make this covenant, is Abraham realizes, I didn't do that. And I don't get any credit for what just happened. No, the credit goes to the name of God. The credit goes to the everlasting God, the God who formed the heavens and the earth way back in Genesis chapter 1 and who still is taking care of me with the same power that splits the mighty oaks, the same power that protects me even when I am vulnerable and living in a foreign land. Abraham calls on the name of God. The God of mighty power and the God who lasts forever who's been good to me in the past and now I've got a son and I want to make sure that my son is going to be able to live at peace in this foreign land so I'm trusting the everlasting God to take care of my son and ultimately what I'm trusting the everlasting God for is that he will one day recognize me and remember me for my faithfulness to him and he'll reward me for that faithfulness. How many of you woke up last night during those strong storms around here? Did the lightning and the thunder wake you up? I was thinking about it. Do you, you know that if you're on the water and you're going through immense storms like that. The waves and the wind are going to pound that boat they're going to hammer away, and more than a few vessels have gone under because of the incredible storms on the surface. But do you know that at the exact same moment in the exact same water, a submarine that is meters or well below the fu- or the surface of the water, that submarine is, sm- is moving through smooth waters with no idea what about what's happening on the surface because they don't feel the wind. They don't experience the waves. They don't have any of that storm crashing down around them. And the difference is they're passing through deep waters. The truth is, a lot of us live in some really shallow faith, and then bad stuff happens. Jesus described our hearts like these four different soils where bad stuff happens and all of a sudden the sun scorches down the soul and it, the soil and it, it throws our faith for a loop. All of a sudden, somebody steals away the seed and it throws our faith for a loop. All of a sudden, we're surrounded by weeds and it throws our faith for a loop. And all of those things are surface level things. But the soil that's really deep, The soil that's really rich, when those roots go down really, really deep, man, that soil can handle whatever storms of life come your way. And I really believe the challenge from Genesis 21 is don't. Run to take matters into your own hands. Don't get in a hurry to fix your problems when stuff is going bad and all of us want to take control and all of us want the pain to stop. So it's easy. It's natural for us to hurry things along to try to play God in our lives. When stuff isn't going the way that we want it to go, It's really easy. It's very tempting. I'm tempted just like you are to start to worry about how things are going to turn out. And that worry virtually guarantees that I'm not really trusting that God's going to care for me and my circumstances right now. And then what happens next is most of us end up making a really stupid mistake. A mistake that we're going to be sorry for for a long time. And that worry, that hurry... That sorry is all proof that you're not really trusting Jesus right now in the midst of your challenges. It's proof that you don't really have the peace that God wants for his people, even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of hard circumstances. So maybe for somebody in this room, you need to experience that peace for the first time in your life. Maybe what you need to do is believe that Jesus really does care for you. That he really does want you to have that peace. And the proof that he cares for you is what he's done for you on a cross 2,000 years ago. In spite of your mistakes, in spite of my sin, I won't leave you in the middle of that mess. I'm going to step into your problems and I am going to take the consequences on my shoulders. I am going to give my life in exchange for you and rescue you from your mistakes. Maybe somebody in this room needs to trust Jesus for peace at the soul level for the first time. Chances are for most of the rest of us, you're struggling right now. Maybe for you it's worry. Maybe for you it's hurry. Maybe for you, it's sorry for something that you did this week, this month, this year. You're saying, I cannot wait for 2023 to get over with because it was not a good year and I am ready for a new year and a new start. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.